This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. Our special guest today is the recently crowned our best current affairs presenter in Australian radio, Ben Fordham. Welcome. James Manning, how are you, mate? I'm very good. Thank you for having me on. It's been a little while. We, we did a couple of podcasts with you in the past. Yeah, well, then you guys then brushed me. <laughs> so I was then brushed. I thought, oh, okay, I'm out of favour at Media Week, but anyway... You yeah. just got to win a best current affairs acra, and then they'll invite you back. That's right. Yeah. Look. So congrats, <laughs> congratulations on that win. You were down in Melbourne for the um, as were you. Yes, yeah. Yep. It was a really good night. They put on a, a good uh, shindig, I reckon. The the commercial radio people because I I don't know awards nights. Let's face it, awards nights are pretty dull. It can be hard going. But they managed to get some good entertainment, some funny MCs. They've nailed the MCs in recent years. They had a couple of the Chaser Boys there. Chris Taylor. This year, um, Chris Taylor and Andrew Hanson, and then they've had um, Shane Jacobson, who I've seen before, Kenny the Dunny Man, who is fantastic, um, and others as well, whose name for some reason escapes me right now, but who've done a really good job. So they do, they put on a good night. Yeah, look, it's I bad. got in some trouble, you know, James. Can I confess something? Yes, please. When I was backstage, they had spirits back there. Oh, really? So I served myself a vodka because I, you know, it's beer and wine out in the in the main area, mm. but then I felt guilty for having a vodka when my staff were on the beers and the wine, so I knocked off a bottle of vodka. Oh, did you? Right, and snuck it out into the main room. Wow. But someone spotted me doing it. Really? <laughs> anyway, so Julie Warner uh, from the uh, Acras all of a sudden launched an investigation, and it was, found <laughs> it was found the missing bottle of vodka was on my table, so I did call her... Uh, after the aquas were all one and done, just to say, listen, there's a bottle of vodka coming your way from me at 2GB to make up for that awful crime that I committed late into the night. Well, as those things go, it was probably the poor person having to look after the vodka that got the trouble, I guess. <laughs> not, not you, right? Yeah, I don't know. I think it was all Julie's vodka anyway, so she was just worried. I think she was just worried about her own supply. Right. Okay. Look, we're in a secret location not too far from Ooh, uh, Channel 9. Yes. So there might be some... Um, Rove McManus has commented before on the sound effects of birds in our, oh, yeah, yeah. In our podcast. Well, we have crows around because you remember Graham Kennedy famously had the... <laughs> or something like that. Not quite Graham Kennedy yes, style. So if you hear any crows around, you know that we're near 9. Yeah, look, absolutely. There's a lot to talk about with you because you... You're one of the hottest properties on TV, of course, because you hosted the biggest show of the year, or co-hosted the biggest show mm. of the year, didn't you? Um, yeah. Ni- Ninja oh, so mate. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Sure. Um, you, you've uh, One of the things I wanted to start with, because you sort of controversially a couple of years ago stepped back from TV a little bit, didn't you? I didn't know. I don't know if you knew Ninja Warrior might have been on the horizon. No, no, no idea. But no. people were scratching their heads going, oh, why is this guy, you know, stepping well, back from a very promising TV career mm. um, for radio? Well, keep in mind, I was doing both, and I did both for four years simultaneously, and I'd said to my wife Jody at the beginning of that journey that I'd only do both jobs for one year. In other words, waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning, doing Today Show from 5.30 till 9am, then in the afternoon doing three hours of talk back on 2GB, I said to Jody, don't worry, I'll only do both jobs for a year. Four years later, I was still doing both. And Jody and I had breakfast one day and we started talking about having kids. And I just said to her, I don't know how it slipped out, but I said, well, she said, she said, well, you're not going to have time. You're not going to have time for, for kids with what you're doing at the moment. You're not going to have the time. And you know when you say something without even thinking about it, I just said, oh, well, I said, I won't be doing both jobs next year. And she went, oh, really? 
And I said, yeah, no, I'm not going to be doing both next year. And she said, oh, when did you decide that? Now, the truth was I decided it then. But I said, oh, I've been thinking about it for a while, you know. And she said, oh, so which one are you not going to do? And I said, well, I'm not going to do Today Show. Because the radio show is my show. It's my drive time show. I put my name to it. And look, I love it to death. And the Today Show is not my show. That's the Today Show. It's got its own history and its own team. And I've loved working on it. I did love working on it. Um, but it was time for me to move on from doing that every single morning. And despite Carl's best efforts to twist my arm to stay, I knew that it was the right thing. It was a decision for our family. And as it turns out, Freddie, our firstborn, was born in December, which was the week I was finishing up on today's show. So it was perfect. Instead of waking up with Carl and Lisa and waking up with today, I started waking up with Freddie and now Pearl. And it meant that we could have breakfast together every morning. Uh, Instead of leaving Channel 9 altogether, I sat down with David Gingell and said, look, I said, this might be an opportunity for us to go our separate ways if if you want to spend that money elsewhere that you're paying me. And he said, no, mate, you're a lifer. You're staying at Channel 9 for life. And I said, okay, righto. (laughs) So he proposed that um, we just reduce my role and reduce my pay a little bit, uh, but I stay at 9. And I'm so glad I did because now, for example, now just this morning, I've been into Channel 9. I take Freddie in with me every Friday morning. He comes to work with me every Friday morning while I do a spot on Today Show or Today Extra. So now I'm the fill-in guy. When Carl's not there, I fill in for Carl. Um, This coming week, I'll be filling in for David Campbell on Today Extra one day. And if Nine need me to do something on the news or the footy show, last summer I filled in for Peter Overton on the 6 o'clock news. So I'm a bit of a a bench player these days, which suits me just fine with having an almost three-year-old son and a one-year-old daughter. You know, I've met a lot of guys, James, in our industry who've admitted to me on a on a trip away somewhere over one too many drinks that they kind of stuffed up the early years of being a dad because they weren't there and so you're mad if you don't learn from other people's mistakes and I I had too many of them say it to me when I was young and single that I thought when I get there I don't want to stuff that up and I've been really lucky to have a a great time with my kids and spent a lot of time with them during these formative years. Most famously, of course, Ray Hadley, as recently as last Saturday. Yeah. He, at the Acres, he was quite frank about how he stuffed up his, you know, didn't help his children when he was never home. Yeah, I mean, mind you, it's a great wrestle, isn't it? Because I'm sure Ray would have been doing all of that because of his children. Mm. Yeah. He would have been working seven days a week because of his children, because he wanted to be able to make sure that they had, yeah. they had a great opportunity and a great start and all the opportunities in the world. So... I've tried to do both. I've gone hard early in my career. I didn't go to university. I started working in radio when I was about 16 years of age. So I kind of figure I, I went hard early in the hope that when I do have kids that I'll be able to spend as much time with them as possible. And you never know, when they're growing up a little bit more, I might be able to jump back in and do something in the early mornings. But for now, I love being able to wake up and say, let's go grab a coffee and, and to be able to hang out together. There's something special about that early part of the day. Later in the day... Kids are a nightmare. Yeah. The witching hour. They're nuts, right? And poor old Jody's got to, got to deal with that while I'm on the radio in the afternoon. But there's a real sweet thing that first thing in the morning when kids wake up and you're able to be there with them. It's, you know, it's, it's irreplaceable. Sure. Look, it's been a big week for the Fordhams. We might get to that a little bit sure. later. The, your brother's, of course, been all over the news. Bloody I heard, Nick. I heard you talking yesterday <laughs> about your, your mum and dad Yeah. In one of the segments on your radio show. So we'll get to that a little bit. Let's, I just want to talk a little bit about the radio first mm. because you, just, you won the award. It's the thing that's you know, branded, most associated with you. Yeah. Uh, when that Coldplay music kicks off every day at yeah. 3 o'clock, 
you go straight to breaking news. You don't leave anybody in any doubt that this is a right. I think you call it Sydney Live, don't you, yeah. is the name of the show, and you're just straight onto it. You, I came up with the name Sydney Live when I started the show because I was so paranoid that the show would fail. I thought, if it goes down in a screaming heap, I'd rather it not be called the Ben Fordham Show. <laughs> so I called it Sydney Live as a way of giving it a generic title. But it does sum up what we do. Uh, you know, we start the show. I've got a mate, Greg Burns, who's been a mentor of mine for a long time. He was one of the bosses at 2UE. He's now at Sky News. And he said to me, when I started the show, I went around to his place, sat down with him and his wife, Netta, who's also a very experienced radio woman. And I said, what do I do? And one of the things Burns, he said to me, he said, you know, when people start radio shows and a lot of the time they do the whole menu at the top, they tell you all the things they're going to do during the show. He's like, mate, just bloody do it. Stop telling me about what you're going to do. Just bloody will do it. And he tells a classic story. He says, mate, I'll be driving from, from Sky News to home. That's 20 minutes. You've only got me for that window. Or then I pick up the kids to go to AFL and that's eight-minute drive. You've only got me for eight minutes. So don't waste time in telling me what you're going to do. Just do it. So we, we try and do that right off the top of the show to get that energy happening and let people know if there's something going on in Sydney, in Australia or around the world – uh, then we cover it live and, and to the best of our ability right at the top of the show. And then hopefully as the show goes on, I mean, recently uh, I was on air in the afternoon when word came through from Las Vegas that there had been shots fired at the Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino. And we reported that straight away to say, look, there are reports that shots have been fired. And at that stage, that's all it was. And, you know, in America, saying that shots have been fired is a bit like saying, you know, that the sun's shining in Australia. I mean, you don't really blink when you hear that news. But thankfully, we reported it. I've become really conscious these days, James, of underselling things in terms of saying to people, now, listen, there are, you know, because eventually it was like, okay, there's reports of an active shooter yeah. out a window at the casino. But because of, I suppose, the rise of fake news, fake news yeah. uh, of people putting Facebook things posts, out on the internet, yeah. people not quite verifying things before they report them, I was at pains that afternoon to say, look, th this is what's being reported. This has not been confirmed by Las Vegas police. And then sure enough, they, they started revealing all of the details. But, you know, that was a day where within a minute or two of it all happening, um, uh, Seven News had a reporter, Ashley Mullaney, who was in Las Vegas at the time. Staying in the same hotel. Yep. So all of a sudden, bam, she was on the air live. She called into us, which was fantastic. So... Thankfully, uh, Jason Morrison, who's the news director over there, who used to host my show at 2GB, he's got them all trained up, just like Nine News does. If there's anything going on, just ring in and get on the air. Um, then we're speaking to an Aussie guy who's hiding in the public toilet at Caesar's Palace because they've just been told, just hide, keep low. Uh, before you know it, we're playing uh, some of the police radio uh, of the cops saying, suspect down, suspect down. Uh, so it's amazing when that stuff unfolds on radio like that. It is extraordinary to be there. But I, I'm really understanding the important role that we play in being able to not just run off, not just shoot at the hip and say, OK, this is what's happened, just to be really careful in assessing all of the information before you go reporting it. Because so often these days, what's reported in the first five minutes of a big story is not what ends up being reality within half an hour. Sure. Uh, listening to your show, social media is really important for, for tipping you off to stuff, I gather. Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. And, and, I mean, and hence why you've got to be careful too. Yeah, and that's the, that's the go-to place where people go with 
information when anything's happening. I mean, they go to Facebook yeah. and say, I can't believe this is what's just happened, you know. So um, both people in the middle of a, of a big story. I mean, Lisa Wilkinson, last week, she went onto Twitter to say, I've got some news. Yes. And 45 minutes later, I've got some more news. <laughs> You know, but it's the go-to place, whether you're a politician, whether you're in the media, or whether you're a member of the public who all of a sudden sees something that looks unusual, that's what they do. They jump online and, and post something, they send something. Thankfully, they also still call the open line, yeah. uh, and that hasn't, that hasn't changed. And with the big audiences we've got at 2GB, that's one of the great advantages of working at 2GB, because the audience is there already, thanks to Alan Jones and Ray Hadley and Chris Smith. By the time I'm on air... Uh, it means that there's a very strong chance that if something's going on, people are going to ring me and tell me about it. Are you ever surprised by the lag between when you first get wind of a story on Twitter or Facebook by the time, you know, traditional old media pick it up? Not anymore. I used to. We used to break things and then I'd say, gosh, I can't believe they didn't have that for the start of the 6pm news. Now something can break at 8 minutes to 6 and we can have it on air at 7 minutes to 6. And we actually do a bit of a, a debate within the office as the news is starting at six. We'll say, will they have it? Will they have it? Let's have a look. And we look up at nine and seven. Inevitably, they've got it. Right. Okay. You know, I mean, I think newsrooms have become so accustomed to the fact that things can happen at the last minute. You've got to be ready and rolling and able to react as soon as possible. I, very rarely these days do I kind of sit back and think, how did they miss that? Your show goes Sydney, Brisbane. Just Sydney. Oh, just Sydney. Just Sydney. They still have the local guy at 4BC. Yeah, yeah. Ben Davis does 4BC in Brisbane. So Ben's got Brisbane Live. Yes. And when he started doing Brisbane Live, he called me and said, hey, mate, I'm going to knock off your (laughs) your name of Sydney Live. And there's a guy called Oliver Peterson who's now doing a great job at 6PR in Perth, Perth Live. So the the Sydney Live franchise has now branched out to Brisbane and Perth as well. And they do, obviously, local drive shows in those markets. You'd be the must-listen to, though, for the big newsrooms, wouldn't you? I mean, lots of other people do breaking news, but you're obsessed by it. Yeah, well, I suppose in Sydney as well, I mean, I I know that the newsrooms, I know that, for example, I know the TV newsrooms have my radio show on because, well, because when all of a sudden we have a caller who's right in the middle of something, then the phone rings straight away, those newsrooms saying, can we get their number? Um, But also I'm, I'm realistic in saying that once upon a time, 2UE was a, a news talk station. It's not anymore. So uh, they've got the choice of listening to the ABC, Richard Glover, who does a great job, but his show is probably more of a mix of news yeah. and magazine. Uh, but he still does some very heavy politics as well, and I think Richard does a bloody fantastic show. Um, but once upon a time, they had the choice between listening to me and 2UE. Now they don't have the choice of listening to 2UE because it's talking lifestyle, so they listen to 2GB. Yeah. Can you get away with it? I mean, what do you like at home? Do you sit there with CNN on or Fox oh, News? Oh, yeah, no. Or can I, you go, okay, I can turn off. I haven't got to do a show. I for can a turn while. off. I can turn off. When I'm on holidays, I don't listen to radio. <laughs> I do not listen to my own show when I'm not there. Um, I have before, and I enjoy doing it because it allows me to actually to keep a bit of an eye on the kind of stories and the kind of topics that my, my staff are picking while I'm away. But I now know, I know how good they are. I, don't, I know I don't need to monitor it. I still look at the rundown. I get an email every night so I know what was on the show. But I don't need to listen and I don't feel like I have a holiday if I'm, if I'm listening while I'm on holidays. But as far as consuming media around the clock, I mean, I, I'm a news junkie. I love watching it. I love consuming it. So, I, you know, it's not unusual when I get home to 
re-watch the 6pm news and then to flick over to Sky News and I see what's going on on Sky. Um, and then, yeah, sure, I'll flick around a little later on to see what's happening in the States and what's happening in the UK and and I listen to all range of podcasts and read all different newspapers and magazines. But, but that's not because I have to. It's just because that's what I do. I mean, I don't know. I don't have a hobby, James. I think that's the problem. <laughs> if I got a hobby, then maybe I wouldn't be as obsessed. Okay. Uh, you mentioned your team before. Now, um, you've won ACRAs before. Yes. You used to have a producer who was a repeat offender at the ACRAs. Harriet Glenn. No, you lost her, didn't you? Is that right? Well, did I lose her, James, or...? <laughs> Did I set her free? <laughs> Look, I've got a bit of a system in place whereby I, I teach my staff everything I know. You know, I, I, I run it in a way that's, that's, I suppose, different to some others where, you know, as others have a bit of a chain of command where the host deals with the EP and the EP deals with the rest of the staff. I sit in the office with everyone and if there's something that someone's doing that I don't like, they know about it within three minutes. So I just tend to let them know and I explain why, what lessons I've learned throughout my career, why I do things the way I do them, why I think that's a story, why I don't think that's a story. And then what I'm left with is that I'm left with, and I hope they don't take this the wrong way, but I'm left with a bunch of mini-me's <laughs> who basically know how I think and know how I act and know how I react. And it means that I think I've got them pretty well trained so that when it's time for them to go and have a crack at something else... Um, I send them off to Channel 9. Channel 9 loves it because they get someone who's already completely trained and ready to roll. So Harriet Glenn is now doing amazing things at A Current Affair at 9. There was a tug of war between 60 Minutes and A Current Affair to get her services. And in the end, management stepped in and decided, no, she'll go to A Current Affair. That's the, the best place for her to start. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Sean Power who was working with me a number of years ago. Uh, Sean joined me at 20 years of age. Um, he just was named a couple of days ago as a finalist for the Walkley Awards for a story that he's done for 60 Minutes. He's now one of the, the young gun producers at 60 Minutes. So I train them up. I, they give me their blood, sweat and tears. But then what I do is I, I say to them, do you want to go and have a crack at TV? Not, not everyone does, mind you. Some of them are, are radio nuts and they want, to, they want to become radio hosts or they want to, I don't know, become a press secretary in politics. But I tend to take a bit of ownership about it and say, look, whatever you want to achieve after my show, because you've given so much to me over the last few years, I'll help you make that happen. Um, and I feel a great sense of pride in walking around Channel 9 and seeing these young people who are kicking these goals and, and are being touted for big things in the future. And I, I love the fact that I've been partly responsible for their success. We should name-check some of the people you've got now who might be the... Uh... Yeah, well, look, Josh Lauder is my executive producer at the moment for, a bit, for about three more weeks. Oh, OK. And then he joins the Nine Network. Josh is off to Channel Nine at the start of November. Uh, and so Zach McLean will step up as the executive producer next year. And then under Zach uh, will be Liz Daniels, who was a news reporter, newsreader, news editor in the 2GB newsroom. Liz has been an awesome addition to the show. Uh, and as I've pointed out to her, the ratings have gone up since she joined, so I'm crediting that as the Liz Daniels effect. Um, and then as far as other team members, they are still to be determined next year. So okay. I've, I've already got them in my head. I've, right. I've almost got them across the line, uh, but I'll kind of be confirming that once I've, once I've actually got them, you know, got them locked and loaded for 2018. But quickly, before we leave your TV show, your politics, mm -hmm. you... 
You're pretty neutral on air, I reckon. I mean, some people might think you're... Uh, well... Some other people listening to the station might think you're raven lefty. Some other people would still think you're very conservative. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, mate, it's funny. My lefty friends think I'm, you know, a raging right-winger, uh, and they go out of their way to belt me up about it whenever we're having a beer or having something to eat. And then you'll have some who are extremely conservative who don't think I'm conservative enough. Look, at the end of the day... I'm me, and I'm never going to step away from who I am and what I believe in. I don't go thinking about... And the moment you start second-guessing and thinking, what do people want to hear from me? They're not the type of people I like listening to on the radio. They're not the type of people I like watching on TV. If you get a sense of, oh, this person just says whatever they think is going to be the flavour of the month, they're not the kind of people who are captivating to watch on TV or to listen to on radio. For example, same-sex marriage, I've been doing my show on 2GB for about six years. When I started that show, I said, look, I I support same-sex marriage uh, and I've always been a a strong believer in same-sex marriage. Now, when I started saying that six years ago on 2GB, well, I mean, I, 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 in fact, at one point faced a petition from some listeners to get me off the air. Um, so, but these days, fast forward five, six years, well, Alan Jones went on and gave what I thought was one of the most thought-provoking and eloquent, supportive statements of same-sex marriage, where he said, love is one of the most elusive qualities in life, so if two people find it, why would you stand in the way of those two people finding that love? Um, now, 2GB's audience probably wouldn't blink if Alan Jones or someone else goes on and supports same-sex marriage. So, look, I don't... I'm traditionally a conservative person. You know, I've got conservative values, I suppose. I think that comes from my parents. Uh, That's the way they always were. That's the way I tend to be as well. But on other issues, I, you know, like at the moment with the euthanasia debate at the moment, um, there are plenty of people. I interviewed Gladys Berejiklian the other day, who's pretty progressive, but Gladys has gone all very conservative on the issue of euthanasia. Paul Keating's come out in the last week or so, the former Labor Prime Minister, against voluntary euthanasia. I can't help the fact that I want the right to die with dignity. So, look, there might be some conservative listeners who don't like that, but I can't help it. You can't help being you. And, and as long as you don't try and pretend to be something other than yourself, I think it's a pretty safe bet because it's, it's like the old, old John Howard thing. John Howard's thing is, love me or hate me, you know where I stand. And I think after that, you know, I've had some listeners say, oh, you've lost me, you've lost me, and they write to me, you've lost me over what you've said on this or your position on that. And then some of them I've actually worked out that when they've written a note to me to tell me that, that, that I've lost them, I've gone back, I've searched their name, and I've written back and said, hey, Roger, just have a look at the email below. According to that email a year ago, I lost you a year ago on something else, and you're still listening. So such is life. If people want to tune off because of an opinion I've got, that's up to them. But that's not the way I roll. I mean, I love, I love hanging out with people who've got a different opinion to me. I mean, if you were constantly hanging out with people who just thought exactly the same as you on everything, then where would be the, the great debate or the big Barney over a, a dinner table? You know, Lisa Wilkinson and Peter Fitzsimons are great mates of mine. Peter Fitzsimons and I butt heads together not every time we see each other, but every other time we see each other. And we have had some almighty blues in front of people five minutes into a dinner party that's ended up into a 30-minute slanging match 
and then got to the point where everyone's gone, okay, well, this dinner party's ruined. <laughs> so we now have to kind of contain ourselves a little bit. But I love that. I love the exchange yeah. of ideas. Mm. Yeah, you love the engagement and you like it, getting it back from your audience too. Uh, look, television. Mm. Australian Ninja Warrior. Yes. When it was first announced, few people, I think, confused about that. Oh, I wonder what this is going to be like. So was I. <laughs> I'd never heard of it. Uh, it's one of the biggest TV franchises in the world. Yeah. And there's a lady by the name of Karen McCart who works at Channel 9, and she called me one day to say, hey, listen, can you come in? The bosses want to talk to you in a couple of days. And no one likes hearing that, James. Wow. And you I had said, no idea it was... No, I said... So you didn't know so what I it said, was about. So I said, what about? She said, oh, I'll talk to you when you're in. And I said, who is it? And it was all the top executives of Channel 9. So, of course, the worst thoughts are going through my head. I'm going, what have I done? What have I said? Who have I offended? And there's a long list when you go through those things. So I, anyway, I said, listen, just tell me. She said, no, I think that she said, they want you to be involved in a TV show. And I said, what's the show? She said, I can't tell you. And I said, hey, Kaz, just tell me. And I'll pretend like I don't know. She goes, okay, it's Ninja Warrior. And I said, what's that? And she said, well, don't say that when they pitch it to you. So I Google it while I'm talking to her. And I'm looking at YouTube clips of all these people doing these incredible things with their body. And I said, what? They want me to go on it. She said, no, they don't want you to go on it. They want you to host it. And I went, oh, righto. And I, funnily enough, I called Greg Burns, my mate, because I bounced things off him. And Tom Malone is another mate of mine who's the head of sport at Channel 9. They're generally blokes I ring and say, hey, I need to bounce something off you. I called Burnsy and said, mate, Channel 9 want me to host this show, but it doesn't really feel like me. I'm a news and current affairs guy. It's this kind of thing. It's this massive obstacle course and this... And he goes, what's it called? I said, it's called Ninja Warrior. And he says, you're kidding me. And he goes, hang on a minute. He puts his phone on loudspeaker. He says, Banjo, Darcy, come over here. His twin boys, my godsons. And he says, what do you love watching on YouTube more than anything else? And they go, Ninja Warrior. Oh, wow. And I went, really? Then I asked the kids in my street. I've got about eight kids in my street who I'm good mates with. I said, and they were all together one day. I said, okay, how many people here know what Ninja Warrior is? I think all but one put up their hand. And that, by the time I went into the meeting at Channel 9, I decided, I don't know what this thing is, but I'm doing it. Because if kids are obsessed about anything, you know that there's a surefire chance that this is going to work. Yeah. And it worked because everyone can sit down and watch it together. That's the, 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 the reoccurring theme of feedback of what people said to me was that, mate, there's been no other show on TV where we can all sit down together and watch it and genuinely like it. There are lots of shows that mum and dads can watch that you wouldn't dare watch in front of your kids. And there's lots of shows that kids want to watch that mum and dad would go, oh, please, spare me, get me out of here. For some reason, this was just the right mix. Uh, and I think the, the physical aspect of it, the healthy aspect of it, getting out there and having a crack, I think it all just worked for all the right reasons. And we're yeah. just about to get in and film series two, which we'll start filming in December. The... I, it, because the first year of the show, no one really knew. There was an expectation it might do well, but no one, I guess, thought it would do as well as it mm. did. Uh, do you go back for second season? Do you get – you seem to have a good relationship direct with Nine Management, but mm. I think – does Nick, your brother, also look after you? No, no, no. wise or not? No, or no, you no. do your own deals? How's yeah, that so, Nick, so Nick is the boss of the Fordham Company, just for people who, yeah. who don't know, because there'd be plenty of people who wouldn't know that. But, and, and the Fordham Company was started by my mum and dad, John sure. and Veronica, who are still involved in the business, yep. and they manage people for a living, including people at Channel 9. But I've always looked after they my own. They don't do you? No. Oh, okay. What they do is they'll do things for me 
if someone calls and wants me to MC something. Away from nine. Yeah, stuff away from nine or 2GB. In fact, here's a true story. When I joined 2GB, Russell Tate, who's the chairman of Macquarie Media or whatever we're called these days, <laughs> he called me and said, someone else called me first, Ian Holland, called me and said, listen, we're going to offer you a shift. I said, wow, okay, righto. So I was working in Canberra at the time for Channel 9, filling in for Laurie Oaks. I'm outside a fruit shop, fruit shop, fruit and veg, buying stuff. And then he called me back. He said, I'm going to put Russell Tate on. Righto, I speak to Russell. And Russell says, mate, I just want to make something clear about these negotiations. I'm not dealing with your family. (laughs) And I thought, this is a really strange way to start off a relationship. In fact, I think there was an F-bomb in there as well. I think it was your effing family. And I kind of thought, wow, this is an abrupt way to start a working relationship. And I was like, oh, wow, is there a reason for that, Russell? And he said, because they're going to cost me too much effing money. Because that's what they do for a living. They get good deals for their clients, right? So, but I've always taken the approach that I don't want to send in my, my dad or my brother to do my bidding for me. And I enjoy that exchange with the bosses. And I have a degree of confidence going in to do those things because I've learned everything from mum and dad anyway, as my brother has over the years, because when we were growing up, their office was in our house. You know, they started their first office in, a, in our garage. They filled in our garage and turned it into a study and that became the first ever office of the Fordham Company. So, you know, days and weeks and months of years of overhearing my dad negotiating contracts on the phone or, you know, through the wall in the office, I think I'm pretty well placed to be able to go and have those conversations. Uh, and so, yeah, I deal directly with Russell Tate at 2GB and at Channel 9 I deal directly with... Hugh Marks, who's the boss of Channel 9, prior to Hugh, David Gingell, uh, in consultation with the news boss, Darren Wick, or whoever's employing me at the time. And, um, and I enjoy doing that. And in fact, I've just uh, done a deal with both of them. I've just shook hands with Russell and with Hugh that'll see me remain at Channel 9 and 2GB for the next five years. Okay. Are you a good negotiator? I mean, yes. And I ask that seriously. I'm yes. Yeah? Yeah. You know, because I say that, I'm being honest, I mean, the, the, the politically correct thing to say now is, oh, no, I'm terrible at doing that, which is what everyone in TV says. Everyone says, oh, but I'm terrible at doing it. That's why I get someone else to do it. I would hope that I'd be good at it because of the fact that I've grown up around my mum and my dad. Uh, just like if someone's growing up around their mum or dad and uh, they work in education, then chances are if they follow them into into education, they're probably going to be a pretty good teacher. Uh, or if someone's got a mum who's a nurse uh, or a dad who's a, a nurse, chances are they're going to be pretty good at doing that kind of care around people when they're... You know, my wife Jodie's mum is a nurse. You know, surprise, surprise, Jodie's very, very good at when it comes to anyone being sick or anyone kind of being down and out a little bit. She's, she's good at that. I think that's natural that you're going to take on those qualities if you spend enough time around your mum or your dad. Yeah. But I, I tend to go in and just – it's a very – it's not a long, drawn-out process. It was pretty good with, uh, with both of them this time around. Short conversation. Do you want to go around again? Uh, this was incredibly long, five years. I usually do two years or three years. But I've got young kids, and I kind of thought, I, want, I don't want to think about this in another two years' time. I want, I want to be able to have some certainty around that and put my head down and, and do some, some hard work for both organisations and, and – um, I just signed actually with Channel 9 today. I haven't signed with 2GB yet, but the moment of confirmation for me is the moment you look into their eye and shake their hand. And, and I, I shook hands with Russell Tate some time ago and I shook hands with Hugh Marks some time ago. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm, 
I'm locked in for the next five years. In that, um, I won't ask you how much because that'd be rude. <laughs> you wouldn't tell me anyway, right? Um, will that nine contract include potential for other things, or are you pretty happy with the? I mean, presumably Ninja Warrior is going to go from. Yeah, four I'm, or five a years part of the Channel Nine deal is I'll be doing Ninja Warrior, and I fill in for people when they're not there. Like I fill in for Carl Stefanovic or for David Campbell or or for whoever they Tracy want. Tracy, sometimes whatever they want, whatever yeah. they want me to do. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm a bloke who tends to say yes when. When nine rings, nine have been very supportive of me. Uh, I'm not in there every day working away, so when they need me, they get me. Yeah. And if it happens to be Christmas Day, then it's Christmas Day. In fact, last Christmas, I went and read the news uh, at 6pm that night, and I remember this was our first ever Christmas that Jody and I had hosted at our, at our new home, where we had my mum and dad and Jody's mum and dad over here, and it was a real... But it was a case of, okay... I've got to go to work now. And Jodie understands that. She works in the business as well. She's a newsreader at Channel 7. So she understands that, and that's just part of the job. Yeah. Could you have had a job at 60 Minutes? Could I have had a job yeah, at 60 like Minutes? A, could you have been a permanent reporter oh, at 60? Oh, maybe if some you'd... time ago. I mean, that's the path I was going on. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, my dream was to be a reporter on 60 Minutes. And then I, I, I started... You've tested on it a fair bit. Yeah, I've done a few stories on it, but... What happened, James, is I, I jumped on a plane to go to Portugal to film a piece to camera of Casey Stoner, the motorcyclist, racing down a track and me talking to the camera while he raced past. And while I'm sitting on the tarmac waiting to take off, I'm saying to the producer, I'm saying, mate, so hang on a moment. We've already filmed the whole story, right? He says, yeah, yeah, but we don't have the piece to camera. And I was like, so we're going to Portugal to film this piece of camera. I said, there must be something else to it. Oh, yeah, we'll get a bit of overlay while we're over there. And look, what I discovered is that that's not for me, only because, mate, I've, I'm a bit ADD. You know, I, when I discovered live TV, that's when you go, you know, when you realise, oh, hang on, what I thought I wanted isn't what I actually want. And it's not until you taste it that you go, mm, I don't really like that. I love 60 Minutes, love watching 60 Minutes, but the time involved in putting together a story... I found really frustrating. When I went to that story in Portugal, when we got over there, little Madeline McCann had just gone missing like. in Portugal. And it was about a week after she'd gone missing. So I say to the producer, I said, listen, we should be doing this while we're here. Let's shoot a story on Madeline McCann, right? Because it was all starting to blow up in Portugal and the UK and we're following it in Australia. But 60 Minutes isn't that kind of show. It probably is more now. It's probably more reactive now that they do react week to week. But at the time, they were like, no, mate, that's not what we're here for. Now, as a journo who, as you pointed out earlier on, loves his breaking news and reacting to things, I was there going, I can't believe it. I happen to be in the country that's front and centre of one of the biggest stories of the year, and I can't cover it. Because the boss at the time of 60 Minutes was like, no, that's not what you're there to do. That's not what we do. So... Yeah, it was just one of those things when... Then when I ended up on the Today Show, which happened just by complete fluke, but then when, I, when that happened and you realise when the light's on, I'm on. And if I stuff up, the whole world gets to see it. It's not like 60 Minutes where you can say, I'll, I'll do that again, I'll do a second take, I'll do a third take. That's when I realised that's better suited to my personality. Being live. I love being live. Live on radio, live on TV. And it means that if you do... Every bit of work you do that day gets seen. As opposed to, okay, I filmed three hours worth of footage and it gets cut down into a 14-minute story. 
I love watching that. Like Four Corners. Love watching Four Corners. And I think, you know, Sarah Ferguson, who hosts it, and Caro Meldrum-Hanna, who's one of my favourite reporters in the country, love watching a Caro Meldrum-Hanna investigation that she spent six months on, but I'm happy for someone else to spend the six months on it, and I can just sit down and watch it for 45 minutes. Right. Okay. Let's sort of wrap this up, talk about your time on the Today Show, and let's start with the dramas there this week. Mm. I mean... Okay, Liz Wilkinson, managed by your brother. Yeah. But I'm guessing you don't talk a lot of shop with him. <laughs> or do you? That's funny, James. <laughs> I know you're not trying to be funny. <laughs> well, we talk a lot of shop, James. Do we're you? brothers. We're right. brothers and we're best mates. So, okay. yeah, no, we bounce a lot of things off each other. And Nick talks to me a lot about what's going on. And, and look, Lisa's a good mate. And, um, you know, it, it, look, it, it's been a challenging week. There's no doubt about it. It's been a challenging week for everyone involved. But at the end of the day, to summarise the whole thing, Lisa made a business decision in the interest of Lisa Wilkinson and Channel 9 made a business decision in the interest of Channel 9. And sometimes a change is not the worst thing in the world. You know, it's going to be a great change for Lisa because she's not waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning anymore. She's now doing prime time. And she's going to have a chance to show off some of her skills in other areas. And it's not a bad thing for Channel 9 or the Today Show either. There'll be plenty of other women at Channel 9 who will now be thinking, okay, well, this might free up a bit of space at the top of the tree a little bit. Maybe I won't get Lisa's job, but maybe she will, and maybe I'll get her job, you know. So sometimes a change is not a bad thing. Uh, It was probably hard in the way that it all played out, uh, but you can't get to choreograph these things perfectly. And and needless to say that um, for 48 hours or so there, my brother, Nick, was probably not the most popular person around Channel 9, uh, which is probably why I raced off to get my contract signed for the next five <laughs> years before Hugh Marks thought better of it and ripped it up. But funnily enough, I went and saw Hugh uh, the day after all that madness went down. I was actually up just in the lawyer's office at Channel 9 getting a copy. I thought, I'd better hurry up and sign this bloody contract. And he said, what are you doing? He spotted me. I said, I'm hiding. He said, who are you hiding from? I said, you. (laughs) And he said, mate, don't be stupid. Hugh's not an overly emotional kind of bloke. It's not like, oh, because you're Fordham, I'm going to do this, or because he's all about just getting business done. Um, And so I ended up then saying, look, I don't know whether I'm mad or stupid, but I've just got a question to ask about a clause in here. He said, come in. And he said, mate, I said to someone a long time ago, if you're not up to doing this job, you shouldn't be doing it. This is my job. What is it? Dealt with it. No problem. All done. So yeah, a bit of a challenging time to be a Fordham at Channel 9, but the, the game rolls on, you know, the circus must go on. And Nick is now, sure enough, he'll be in there shortly thereafter dealing with another client because he's got other clients at Channel 9, including Sylvia Jeffries and Mark Taylor, who's part of the cricket coverage. So Nine has to deal with him again and he has to deal with them. And they'll all get on and they all move on. You know, things no. move on pretty quickly in this business. Oh, they do. Because, you know, what's a big scandal on a Monday? By the following Monday, it's not even in the papers. It's disappeared. But but you, of all people, probably understand the media bubble more than most and, the, you know, uh, and how it moves on. But, I mean, we, even you surprised how the, the world seemed to go crazy for 36, 48 hours yeah. from that Monday night announcement. Yeah, it did. People lost their mind, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, I mean, it did. It went, it went absolutely bananas. But I think it was probably a combination. It was a combination of things. Sometimes there's a perfect storm. You know, Carl and Lisa were a formidable team and a very successful team and very high-profile individuals. So when someone leaves 
breakfast television and a duo like that that's in a, a very tough contest with um, Sam and Koshi over at Sunrise, then, yeah, it's going to be big news anyway. Add in another network and add in reasons for the departure, which are debatable depending on who you're listening to, whether it's Nine or Lisa. Nonetheless, the big debate was around pay and equal pay and those things. Well, of course, that's going to be big news no matter where you are. It's a big deal in the UK at the moment when salaries were revealed by BBC BBC, stars um, and it'll be a big deal in Australia when those kind of things come out as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, at first look you think, okay, the salary thing's easy. Everybody should get the same men and women, Mm. but you can't do it, can you? Well, it's, it's not... It's not as simple as that. No, I not. mean, it's as simple... I'll say this. It is as simple as saying when there are two people doing the same job at the same level of ability, they should be paid the same, right. in my opinion, regardless of whether they're male or female. But there are lots of other factors that come into it. And, like, for example, the longer someone's been at a company, chances are the more they're going to be paid because the more contracts they've gone through. There was a time when Lisa was earning reportedly, based on what I read in the press, earning more than Carl. And then there was a time, according to what I read in the press, where Carl was earning more than Lisa, but no two people are ever going to be paid exactly the same. Um, On my radio show, I've got the ability to uh, have some involvement in what people get paid, you know, and I negotiate that with the bosses and whatever, and and I would certainly, and I've made a big point of, of making sure, I mean, of making sure that people are not underpaid for their services. I want people to be paid more. I had an occasion when my contract was up at 2GB and I sat down with Russell Tate and I said to him, he said, righto, well, what do you want? And I said, well, mate, first thing I want is I want, and I won't say the figure, (laughs) but I said, I want that much money. I want that much money to share amongst my staff. And he said, okay, and it was a big chunk. And he said, all right, why? I said, well, because I need to make sure I look after them. So I, w- I then had the ability to sit down with this sizable chunk and divide it up between the staff members. And I was then able to call them into a one-on-one meetings and say, look, I'd love to be able to pay you this much. And they go, yeah, yeah. And I go, and I am. That's what you're getting. So I felt like bloody Father Christmas handing out the, but you've got to fight for your, yourself um, and that's why I've got no qualms with anyone standing up for themselves and making a stand and saying, I want, I want to be paid more. But in the end, you've got to be, be prepared to walk. Sometimes the bosses will say, no, nah, sorry, that's all I've got. And you can either say, right, oh, I'm going to stay. Or if you really, really mean it, you've got to be prepared to walk. Do you still negotiate a total package from GB for you and the team? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, mine separately. Yeah. But yeah, I go into. It's easier for but me you don't to subcontract the whole show, like. No, 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 no. Okay. But it's easier for me to go into bat for my staff than it is for them to go into bat for themselves. So thankfully, at least in the last five years that I've been there, I don't think my staff have ever had to go into the boss and ask for a pay rise. They'll come to me and say, "Hey, mate." anything doing but they know they've all got one anyway without being asked because I figure I'm asking these guys to give me everything they've got every single day they're working for me so the least I can do is to use what bargaining power I've got with the bosses and by the way I'm not alone in doing this I know other radio hosts who do exactly the same thing Uh, they go in and they do the bidding to make sure that their staff are being well paid uh, maybe they would have got the pay rises anyway by the bosses out of the goodness of their heart, but let's face it, these days pay rises in most industries are not something that 
that happens naturally. It's not an organic thing that all of a sudden the boss says, hey, you know what, come in here, mate. I've got some great news for you. You've got to push for it. You've got to fight for it. And it's easier when someone else does that fighting on your behalf. Sure. Look, really just one other thing I want to ask you and just get your opinion on. You're a media man. You'd be all over this. CBS coming into Australia. Yeah, it's good news. Yeah, good news. Good news. What are the chances of um, Lisa Wilkinson turning up on a CBS breakfast show? What, in the States? No, here. Oh, here? Yeah. No. You don't think? No. No. I don't think Lisa would be doing would a breakfast show. Breakfast. No, no, no. No, I can, I can comfortably uh, squash, quash, <laughs> rule out, erase any suggestion that Lisa would be doing but a breakfast show on Channel 10. she wouldn't just do the project, would she? Oh, she'll be doing other things as well. Yeah. But there's no way in the world that Lisa would be turning up and doing breakfast TV again. I don't think so. She's done 10 years of it. Hmm. I mean... What they put themselves through is quite extraordinary to get up at that time of the morning and to be live on air for all of that time. And you, you understand, you know, this, it's often reported, oh, hang on a moment, there's been a bit of a blow-up between Koshi and Sam or between Carl and Lisa or this person and that person. Surprise, surprise. You wake up at 3 o'clock every morning and sit there live on the TV for three and a half hours every day with all of the stuff that's going on in the place a really challenging thing. And I think that all of the people who do those shows, including the guys on Seven, uh, I just think they do an amazing job. And obviously I'm a bit biased when it comes to Carl and Lisa because I'm, they're great mates of mine. But uh, no, I can't see Lisa doing that. I can see her doing some primetime specials and things on Channel 10 and she'll be doing some of the project as well. And who knows what else they've got in store for her. But from a, an industry point of view, to have another player in the market who, according to the reports that we've seen in the last week are spending a bit of money, then that's good for all of us. Yeah. that Because um, it's a bit more pressure TV, isn't it? Because in radio, you sort of can hide behind the mic a bit. and you... Oh, I don't know. You don't think? I don't know. I don't think you can. I don't think you can hide behind the mic. I mean, I mean, if you look like death warmed up, then it doesn't matter but on radio. You can radio. go in on shorts and a T-shirt. Yeah, you can do all case. of those things, well, sure, from that, that point of view. view. However, um, you know, I think radio is a very personal medium the difference is, I'll tell you why you can't hide on radio. On TV, there's no talkback callers. So you know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. You know where you're headed. You know what, who you're interviewing. You know what you're promoting. You know what's coming up. On radio, you don't know what that person's going to say to you from one minute to the next. And I think that's a pretty hard thing to try and disguise. I mean, you, you need to just to be yourself and to be... And I think people can pick it. I'll get emails from... There's a girl called Petra. I don't know who she is. She's one of my listeners. Petra will email me once a week to let me know what's going on in my life and in my head. I don't know whether she's a clairvoyant or whether she's a cult leader or what she is, but she's a very kooky individual. But she reckons she knows whether my life is going well or going badly week to week based on my voice. So it's hard to hide on radio and you don't want to hide either like you don't want to on tv media has become more and more a case of showing yourself showing of yourself you know my dad yesterday i was at a lunch yesterday with sylvia jeffries uh, and my dad was cleared of cancer he's had throat oh. cancer uh, and i got the text message while i was at the lunch so yesterday afternoon there was a topic about uh, whether uh, the dangers of, of kids seeing their parents drunk. Mm. And I told a story about seeing my old man pissed when I was a kid. And then I thought, oh, well, I better update my audience because I told them when he was going through his throat cancer. And I said, by the way, 
and I shared that news with, with my audience. More and more, you do open up your own life to share it with your listeners and with your viewers. But he had a professional reason to. He was actually a columnist, wasn't he? Didn't he write about wine? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, he... he um, For the tally, wasn't he? Yeah, he still does. He still, still does still his does wine of the okay. week in the Sunday Telegraph. One of the greatest scams in the history of Australian <laughs> media, James Manning, where my dad, about 40 years ago, someone said, if I teach you a few things about wine, you'll never have to pay for a bottle for the rest of your life. And he said, how does that work? And they said, well, you become a wine writer. And they just send you the wine. So dad still does his wine of the week in the Sunday Telegraph every Sunday. And every week, free free wine backs up and (laughs) drops on his doorstep. And we call his garage where he stores the wine, the drive-through. Because whenever we're there, we just pull our cars in and load it up. Yeah, baby. Love it. So the kids visit mum and dad. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whenever, whenever the wine stock is running low, they can expect a visit. Um, look, I'll let you go. Will CBS ramp up news, do you think? Will they invest in news, you reckon? Mate, I'd, I'd be playing guesswork if I knew what they were going to do. But, James, more importantly, I can tell you that the Nine Network <laughs> yes. and 2GB will be uh, as focused as ever on, on news and, and ready to and take on any and entertainment yeah. and everything else. Yeah, and so if CBS want to play ball, I'm sure Channel 9 will have their measure. All right, Ben Fordham. Look, great day always catching up with you. Great to catch Thanks up with you, mate. Thanks for your time today. Good on you. And um, good luck next five years. Good on you. Thanks for having me. Five years, it's a long time, isn't it? <laughs> sure like is. a hostage. It sure is. <laughs>